This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. Welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast. Steve Carter here, and in association with my good friends at Preaching Today and Food for the Hungry, I bring you a podcast that hopefully helps you get better at the craft of preaching and teaching and communication while ensuring that your character hopefully always leads the way. And today um, I'm excited because I'm joined by two friends, two friends I've had the privilege to work um, with in an incredible church many years ago, um, but they are um, masters at storytelling and they have started a new company, really, really at the heart of it is just trying to create stories, films, and pieces to serve the local church. And um, I'll tell you, just as a, as a preacher and teacher, um, the pieces that these two have created over the years, um, just I felt took the teaching, took the service, took... Um, just the worship moment to another level. And um, I'm super, super excited. They they run this company called Braving Bird. You're going to hear about it in a moment. But um, I'm joined with a dear friend, executive director of Braving Bird, Paul Johnson, and the creative director, Nick Benoit. Paul, Nick, welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast. Thanks, Thank Steve. you. Good Steve, we've gotten to do so many things over the years, but we have never recorded a podcast yet. So. Yes. That's true. We, it feels like a big day. It's a whole new medium for us. Man, we have served in churches in <laughs> Illinois and California, but we have never done a podcast. And, that's uh, right. Man, man, that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's, that's a good way to start this thing off. Well, hey, first off, Braving Bird. That is a, that is a fascinating company name. And uh, Nick, let me, let me just start with you. Why that name? Where did it come from? Um. Yeah, names are a big deal for me. Um, the the way that you title something, the, the way that you name something. I mean, I labored over the name of my kids for months and months. You can ask my wife all about it. But I think I think what we name something is a big deal. And um, we knew that we wanted a name that had meaning for us. And there were. <laughs> there were a lot of dinners between our families where we sat down and we rolled a piece of paper down the center of the table and just brainstormed. And no idea was a bad idea, except for some of them that were really, truly terrible. But um, at some point along the line, and I don't, I don't remember exactly how to trace it back, but I went down this deep rabbit hole on messenger pigeons. And... You know, for thousands of years, humans used messenger pigeons to carry these, these, these vital messages, often messages of life and death. And they used these pigeons to get messages through when nothing else could. Um, and, and often these were at times of major conflict when barriers were high and defenses were up, and yet these birds were able to somehow almost miraculously get through. And... That's the way that we think about stories too. 
that stories are able to get through sometimes when nothing else can, that stories can cross great chasms of distance, they can fly over barriers, they can get through sometimes the best laid defenses to deliver what we feel like are life and death kinds of messages um, that wouldn't get through in any other way. So in, in honor of those brave birds, we are called Raving Birds. I love that. I think that's really, really powerful. And I love how you said that, how a story can just somehow pierce through. And man, I, I think, you know, you, you guys have already dropped 11 um, films and some of these stories, I mean, uh, just most recently, you dropped one of um, a buddy of ours, uh, Tracy. And, you know, it's just like, man, like the the richness, the storytelling, um, what you begin to see, the storylines, the themes, um, the conversations that come out of it. Um, Paul, as the executive director, you know, you, you've, you've got this like core focus and, and, and desire. How, how do you want to see these stories? Um, is there like a certain place or environment where you think, man, these stories have the best potential right now to pierce through? You know, at, at the core, what we're trying to do is tell great stories that have gospel themes attached. And ultimately, we would love for our stories to be used by anyone, parents with kids, business leaders with their teams, teachers in classrooms. But we've got the most experience coming from the church world and having um, worked in churches, crafting services for weekends in particular. We felt like we probably know that audience, at least at this stage in our careers, better than any of the other audiences. And so we thought, let's at least start there. And so we've tried to craft these in such a way that they could be used by the church. Um, again, could be in a weekend service, but could be in small groups, could be in a staff meeting, could be for the youth group. We've actually gotten quite a bit of feedback already as these stories have started to get out there of ways that people are using them um, and I, I think what's been encouraging is, is to see the creativity on the receiving end and people using them in ways that we didn't necessarily imagine. For instance, we just made a piece that we thought would be a great piece for Church's Fuse on Good Friday. Uh, it tells the whole story of Good Friday really well. I think a lot of churches put a lot of eggs in the Easter basket and program a lot for Easter, and Good Friday becomes more of an afterthought. And so we said if we could if we could create a piece that could work in a Good Friday service, that'd be great. Well, we got a note back from a church in Canada that says, actually, we didn't use it for Good Friday. We used it to kick off our Easter service. We thought it was the, it, we thought it was the perfect bridge between what we just came out of two days ago in Good Friday and set up kind of where we're going for, for the rest of the Easter service. And so it's been fun to watch how um, people have gotten creative in their own use of the pieces. But really, the, the weekend service uh, for us right now is probably the center of the bullseye. And we hope it expands beyond that. But that's really what we're we're starting with right now. Well, let's let's just sit there for a second because, you know, the, the three of us, we, we worked together for many years. And one of the pieces, Paul, you were kind of the executive producer um, of, you know, one of the largest churches in the country. And Nick was on your team and you're kind of like the bridge between worship, the creative and the teachers. Um, I, I want to, because I know, I, I know how these stories, how they set up my talks, but, but just talk about that from like an executive, I know you're the executive director of, of Brave and Bird, but put yourself back a number of years to, to having to like 
map out a service because most of the pastors and preachers that I'm, I'm in conversations with, they're trying to figure out, man, how do we maximize the first 25 minutes of a service? How do we maximize like a good Friday? How do, how do we do that? Talk about, um, the use of these pieces and, and what you saw and how they kind of raised um, the momentum, the level, the engagement, to Nick's point, how it pierced the hearts. Um, talk about that from the service positioning. Yeah. Uh, um, I think one of the things I've enjoyed about most of the churches that I've served in and so forth is that there, there's, there's an interest in more than just three songs and a 30-minute message. But how do you engage the arts? Not just for another uh, hook in a service, but because we believe that God speaks in a multitude of ways, um, a multitude of mediums. And while singing and worship is a connection to God for some people, storytelling is a connection for others. And so the more arts that I feel like we can unlock in the church it's going to serve our congregations better. If we give them a steady diet of just one thing all the time, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it, you miss out on the opportunity um, to serve other parts of, of the congregation. And so when I was sitting in a service or sitting in planning meetings, trying to, to plan out a service, I was constantly thinking, what more can we offer? Not that more is always better, but you ought to at least be asking that question. Are, is there more that we could do here? Are there more ways to serve? Are there more ways and opportunities to connect our congregation with God? I think that's kind of big picture what we're trying to do. You bring it down to, to, the, to the nuts and bolts of this. I, when we started, we looked at Jesus. Jesus taught all the time, right? And in his teaching, he used story as a primary teaching method. If you look at um, all the words of Jesus recorded in the Synoptic Gospels, over a third of them, he's, he's teaching via story. And I think because Jesus used story as an effective tool, that's one of the things we want to help provide are some of those same tools. And I think um, a lot of pastors... Uh, know about the power of storytelling, but aren't necessarily skilled in actual storytelling themselves. And so if we can provide a tool that does some of that heavy lifting ourselves, so they can come alongside then and unpack and use, uh, find ways to make application points, hit home and so forth. Like we feel like that's a pretty valuable, a pretty valuable tool that we could offer. And so a lot of our work today is informed by church experience, ministry experience we've had over the years where if someone creates a really great piece, the word usually gets out and other people want it. And in the past, we've been restricted by copyright issues, licensing issues, and so forth, intellectual property. Those are all important things to keep an eye on, but they were limiting factors in how we could share those resources. And so what we've said on the front end here with Braving Bird is if we can take care of the artists and the creators on the front end, make sure they're well compensated for their, for their work and so forth, and then provide stuff on the back end copyright free uh, so that anybody can use them. So there's no money changing hands on the backside. Um, we felt like that would be the lowest barrier to entry, if, if that makes sense. Um, 
And so it's a lot easier to share those tools and, and resources and that kind of a setup. So, so real quick, so it's free for a church to use it. That's what you're saying? It is, and it, it's kind of counterintuitive. I think we've all been, um, at least for myself, you know, I grew up believing that if it's free, it's, it must be bad or it's cheap or there's, there's some catch somewhere. We just want to say there's no catches. Um, we set up as a nonprofit. So what we're trying to do is actually raise money from donors. And you ask, well, who's going to donate to something like this? I think that's actually pretty easy. If you love a good story and you believe in the power of the gospel, this is a great place for you to come alongside and partner with us. So we're looking for donors um, to fund storytelling that we can then give away and resource the church for free. We're not trying to make money off the church. We're not trying to to do anything like that. We just want to serve the church and give back um, and do that you know, as best we can, we feel like the, the whole money changing hand things gets a little weird. That works in certain situations, but for us, it just felt like um, if there's a way to do it without that, that would yeah. be best. Well, I love, I love that you said that. And again, just from personal experience, um, and then Nick, I want to, I want to dive in and ask you a couple of questions around storytelling, but you know, I, I remember there would be moments and it might be um, a, a worship song and before the song gets to a bridge, you know, the, 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 the keys will be playing. And then Nick, you'd come out and there'd be a, a drop down screen and, and, and a story would be happening behind you. And you're talking for, you know, three or four minutes. And, and then all of a sudden it goes right into the bridge or, or sometimes it was uh, someone I'd come up and set up the communion piece in 30 seconds or 90 seconds. And then be, everyone is holding the elements and then, you know, a video or a piece or a story or you, Nick, on stage. And I remember one, um, you just like covered yourself in like oil. And I felt like for the next six months, Paul and I were getting emails. Can I get that piece? Can I get that piece? I need stronger <laughs> stuff. I need stronger stuff. That's what it was called. And and I remember, Paul, you're like, I can't, we can't give this away. And you were so frustrated by that because mm-hmm. Nick wanted to, you want to. And so you just, you, to see the need and the ache and watching how people were like, oh my goodness, that's, that, that piece, if I could show that to my kids, that piece, if I could have shown that to a coworker, that piece, it, just in three minutes was, was showcasing the power of the gospel and, and, and good news. And so, and then, and then I said, other times I, like I, I could do a teach and, and then I didn't know how to close it per se, but I could, I could hand it off and, you know, Nick or you, the team could do a piece or, or something. It was just a story that would kind of be told like Tracy's story. And all of a sudden it's like this, this piece. And you're like, Oh yeah, that's, that's the kind of community we want to be and what we want to do. Um, Nick, talk talk to us about story because you're you're like, you know, in the top one percent of telling stories, and your 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 mediums are so wild. I mean, like you can do spoken word, you you can create pieces. I mean, you can make messenger pigeons sound amazing and incredible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like talk about um, just the first time story captured you, and and Paul, you made this this statement just a second ago, and I, and I agree with it. A lot of pastors struggle with telling stories. And, and I think just as a master storyteller, who's been able to do it in 30 seconds to 12 minutes, 19 minutes, 30 minutes in films, like 
talk about the essence of a great story. Um, Cause I think that will really help pastors as well. Yeah. I, you mentioned that piece that I did about getting covered in oil is this piece all about the forgiveness of God. And I was just telling some folks the other day that um, I still get emails about that story. Um, my kids will tell you, I still get stopped in the grocery store by people who want to talk about that story because um, for so many of them, it marked a moment for them or they suddenly step into a different understanding of their relationship with God in that story. And um, they just got swept up into it and learned something new and vital because of it. And I, I think that's what stories do. I remember one of the first memories I have of storytelling was um, my whole extended family would get together for Christmas at my aunt and uncle's house. And in the evening, all all the adults would gather around the table and play cards all night. And it was, it was my mom and all, all her brothers. And I would climb under the table partly because I didn't want to get sent to bed, but partly because I just wanted to lay there and listen because if they would play cards, they would just start to tell stories and they would tell stories from their time growing up trouble that they got into they would tell stories about my grandma and grandpa and generations before that. And I didn't realize it at the time. I think at the time, I, I thought I was just being entertained by stories. Um, but as I look back on it now, uh, um, sorry, if you've never met me, I get emotional. Um, when things mean a lot to me, they, uh, it just comes out more than just being entertained by those stories, those stories were teaching me who I was. They were telling me the people that I came from. They were telling me the things that were important in my ancestry, the values that my family held. Um, because that's what stories do. They certainly entertain us. But I think way more than that, they instruct us. And they do it in such a unique way because stories speak to the whole of a person. We're not just speaking to our intellect, which is so important. We want it to be grounded in, in truth. And um, uh, you have to have that foundation. But when you're also speaking to memory and emotion and imagination, um, amazing things can happen. Um, I was reading recently, there's this study that they did in Princeton a few years back. And they put people in MRI machines and watch their brains as they listen to a story. And they saw all the areas of the brain activate that they would expect to see. The, the areas where uh, the sound that enters is processed and turns into language. And then the areas of the brain that parse that language and turn it into receivable information. And then the parts that take the information and categorize it, they saw all of those parts light up. But then they saw all kinds of the brain, all kinds of areas of the brain activate that they weren't really expecting. The areas that control our emotions, the areas that control our nervous system, that make our hearts beat faster and our palms sweat, the areas that, um, the places where we hold our deepest memories were activated. And, and even the, the areas that control the movement of our bodies. And, We've all had that experience where we wake up from a dream and uh, 
usually for me, I wake up because in the dream, I was running away from something. And then suddenly my legs are trying to run in real life and it wakes me up. And it, what's essentially happening is your brain is telling you a story in your dream and you're so caught up in it. That's your body response. And that's because that's what happens when we're told a whole, when we're told a story, our whole being gets wrapped up in it. We go on the journey and the other crazy thing that happened when they did this study, though, is they didn't just watch the brains of the people who were listening to stories. They also watched the brains of people as they told the stories. And what they found is that the exact same parts of the brain were activated in both the speaker and the listener as the story was being told. And it happened at almost exactly the same moment. So the same emotional center that was activated in the mind of the person sharing a story would moments later be activated in the mind of the person hearing the story. And again and again, we saw this correlation in all the different areas of activation in the brain. And what they extrapolated out of this was, if you want to invite someone into the way that you think, the way that you feel, if you want to invite them into understanding the world as you see it and the things that you believe deep down to your core, there may be no better way to do that than through story. Stories connect us. They invite us into an experience. And I just, oh, the more time I spend storytelling, the more I believe in the power. And I think that, again, I mean, Paul alluded to it, but I think that's why Jesus gave up a full third of his teaching time to telling stories because he knew that he designed us to receive information in this way. And so, yeah, I, I love stories. I love that you said that word connect, you know, because it's a, it definitely as a, as a communicator, anytime you can share and you can, you can feel the room leaning in, um, it, 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 it opens themselves up, you know, and, I think Jesus was asked 187 questions in the Gospels. Do you know how many uh, answers he gave directly? No, tell me. Scholars say between three and six. So he, so because every time he'd be asked a question, he'd be like, "Ah, let me tell you a story." You know, like let me, let me, like, like there's there's a man who's walking. You know, like he he just yes, and like all of a sudden. The, the whole culture was like, learn, like, who am I in this story? It's not like a transfer of information. People, people say they want that, but that doesn't change people. What, what changes people is the stories that you guys are crafting and telling. What, what, what changes people's perspective is when they go like, oh, who actually am I in this story? Or they resonate with, you know, the, the, the longing that they didn't have the phrase, I need stronger stuff, yep. but that's, that's the ache of their soul because they're like, I, I resonate with what Nick is feeling in that film. And I, I, I need that stronger stuff. Give me that stronger stuff. What's that stronger stuff, which sets you guys up so well to do what you do so well, which is share the good news and the gospel. Um, talk about the idea. Like, are you, because I think, you know, is it just like you're walking and an, an idea comes and you journal? Like, do you, do you get the hook? Like, how, how, does, how do you craft these films and these stories? And, and 
if you had to give like some kind of coaching pieces to to preachers, and, and then Paul, I want to come back to you because I think you're one of the best editors I know when it comes mm-hmm. to sermons and creative pieces. But but Nick, give us a, little, a couple of pieces that you'd say, hey, I think for anyone who's going to tell a story um, as a preacher, as a pastor, as a communicator, hey, here's a couple elements you have to master, you have to learn, you have to practice. Honestly, I... So some of, some of finding the, the ideas for stories comes through bolts of inspiration, but a lot of it comes through work and practice and a certain discipline. And I think the discipline that I actually practice the most, I was actually reflecting on this this morning, Steve, actually was inspired by you. Um, you, years ago, taught a message. It was, it was in a staff meeting. I don't even know if you'll remember, but you taught a message about the call that's on us to recognize the cross everywhere. And you went every, you went from in the simplicity of architecture. Sometimes we can visibly see that as a cross and use it not only as a reminder for us, but also as a jumping off point for conversation, but then also just in every aspect of life, we should be looking for evidence of the cross. And I feel like that idea for the last decade plus has just continued to expand in my life where um, Colossians says that he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And what that told me is that if you dig just a couple layers deeper underneath everything, you are going to find God there. You are going to find evidence of a creator, but not just scientific evidence of a creator. You are going to find metaphors, you are going to find stories written under everything. And I think what I try to do, the way that I have tried to learn to live my life is that I ask the simple question in every conversation, in every situation, in every object that I see, in every story that I'm, that I'm told, where do I see God in this? Where do I see a metaphor for who he is popping up. Um, and the more that I have learned to view all of life that way, I find that there's no shortage of stories to tell. And, and stories can be everything from, you know, a grand narrative of, um, of a hero's journey that's changed from start to finish, or it could just be a really great object lesson um, based on an animal or a tree or other things in nature or the things we encounter in very ordinary life, Jesus told very ordinary stories, but locked inside every one of those ordinary stories about ordinary people were eternal truths. And so I think the more that we learn to dig for eternal truth underneath everything, we're going to find more stories worth telling. It's amazing. And one of my favorite memories, you know, you uh, you guys were like down in the the basement of the the church that we worked at in, in Chicago and Willow, and I, I remember I'd like I'd come down and you know I usually be walking to to Paul's office, but sometimes if I made a right at the door, I'd see and I knew Nick if your door was closed, they had a little like little you know kind of <laughs> narrow window, and I'd see you kind of like oftentimes like with a journal, and I'd I'd always be like. I know he's, he's like dreaming and scheming (laughs) up some story, some creative piece, you know, but, but you, you were, you were really in that, you use the word practice. Like, like I felt like there was a discipline at which you would kind of just mine that idea, practice 
that idea. And, and I think for, for um, communicators, you know, you can hear someone deliver a great story, but, you know, Paul early on, like when I, when I was teaching, you know, he, 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 he'd, he'd sometimes be like, Hey man, that story was a little too long, you know, like, and just because I think sometimes we, we, the story's so good, but, but in preaching and in storytelling, sometimes it, the longer the story goes, the more the payoff you expect it to be, whether in humor, whether in like, oh, if you gave me a five-minute story in the middle of a sermon, the payoff has to be worth five minutes. Mm-hmm. But if it's, an, if it's really a payoff for a 90-second, and I just remember, Paul, you were so good at being like, hey, I think you could get to that point stronger. I don't think we need all those details. You, you had a, um, a scalpel that I felt like had mastered the art of elimination, uh, talk about that because oftentimes guys were bringing you the creative pieces and the ideas as someone who's got that, you know, executive director, executive producer, and you're, you're working with artists who they feel this idea and they love this idea. How, how do you, because for many preachers and pastors, they're, they are both the preacher and that executive producer and they, they've got a creative team. What kind of, what kind of, words would you, or insights would you give to like, Hey, this is a way at which you can give helpful feedback to get to the point without crushing the, the heart, the soul of the artist. I think a lot of that goes to work that needs to be done way outside the planning of the weekend service. It has to do with the relationships and the trust that you built with your team. And the, the thing that, that I've always appreciated is I've ended up on teams, um, where the best idea wins, where we're trying to serve the congregation first and not our own ideas. And we ultimately want to connect people best to Jesus. And I think um, if your team doesn't want those types of things, then I think you've got some work to do before you ever get to the weekend service and evaluating that and giving feedback and, and so forth. I think it's got to start you know, light years before you ever get to the service. So that when you're in the service, actually, Nick <clears throat> shared a, an example years and years ago that has stuck with me. Um, remember the game you'd play as a kid where you have a balloon and the whole goal of the game is to keep the balloon from hitting the floor. And so you put people in, you know, all over the place, could be in a circle, could be, you know, wherever scattered across the room. And everyone just gives the balloon a little tap. And in fact, I've got a three-year-old daughter and she watches Bluey which I think is one of the best shows on television. I think it's way more for adults than it is for kids, but that's a whole other story. They have a whole episode called Keepy Uppy, I think is what, Keepy Uppy or something like that. And the whole thing is about this balloon and how you got to keep it off the ground and so forth. And I feel like that's what we're trying to do in our weekend services is we've got this balloon, we've got this message, we've got this story, this connection to Jesus. And we, we want to make sure that it doesn't hit the floor and the game is over. And I think sometimes you just need to say, hey, pastor, you're hogging the balloon. Like, let someone else have a turn. Or worship leader, you're talking too much in between songs. We don't need that right now. Give the balloon to somebody else. And sometimes um, a little touch from a story or from someone you'd least expect it can provide that lift in a service that you wouldn't necessarily expect. And so you talk about me having a, <clears throat> having a scalpel and so forth. 
I think that only worked because people trusted um, what it was we're trying to do as a whole. And that's point people to Jesus, connect people to Jesus with every single part of the service. We didn't want anything to go to waste. And um, the the other thing I, I think is good, whether it's your executive producer or it's the secretary of the church or it's a volunteer, I think you just need someone with some fresh eyes that hasn't been in every single detail of the planning so they can look at things a little more objectively. And so that's one of the roles that I purposefully play today with Braving Bird is that I'm not in every pre-production meeting. I'm usually not on even the set when we're shooting uh, our videos and films. I might go out to visit for a half day or something like that, but I'm not in the recording of everything because then you get too emotionally attached. And um, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but when it comes time to really evaluate whether or not this thing is working or it's falling flat or it's too long or it's too short or it's too confusing, or I think working with artists, this is one of the things I'd see is, Sometimes you get too artistic, too creative, things get a little too clever and it works in your mind, but it's not going to work for the whole of your congregation. And so if you can have someone that comes in and looks a little more objectively that hasn't lived in every single detail, and again, that has the trust of, of your team, I think that voice is pretty valuable. And for us, it happened to be in that executive producer role. But again, it doesn't have to be in just that role. I think every church needs someone that can look at it with those types of eyes. And I think that would would serve the would serve your church really well. That's so good. And and Paul, you're right. You you did have that trust, like with the artist, with the production, with the with the worship team, with the teachers. Like we we just trusted your eyes. I think, you know, it, Every pastor, you got to have, um, you know, kind of those those people because they're just going to help push you as a as a communicator. Um, but they're going to help really, you know, keep you uppy, you know, keep keep the the main thing, you know, just like keep it up and keep people into it. Um, you guys have eleven films um, available right now. Um, let's say in the next like I don't know, eighteen months by twenty twenty five, how many do you hope to have? I think we're we're doing some some longer range planning right now, which is something we haven't done. Like the first couple months of this whole adventure, it was just kind of one step at a time. What's going to take to get this off the ground. Now that we've kind of got a little runway built up, we're starting to look a little further down the road. So we've actually said um, by the end of year five, so we just started in year three, by the end of year five, we'd love to go from the 11 films that we have out right now to 40. Wow. Um, We'd love to grow our team so that there's a whole second creative team that is creating content. Um, right now, we're putting out a piece. Um, it's every six to eight weeks on average. And that's uh, we'd love to shrink that down. We're not going to crank out content every single week. We feel like it's hard, at least with the scale of our team and the size of our budgets, to produce quality that frequently. Um, so we want to try and add a second creative team that can help us, you know, increase our output and so forth. But 40 pieces, you know, in the next two years would, would be the goal that, that we're looking at right now. That's amazing. Nick, talk about some of the themes that in the, these 11 that, that are kind of, cause I, I, again, um, pastors, you, you got to check this out. Youth pastors, check this out. I'm telling you because, um, the quality, I mean, is the stories are amazing, but the the 
the video quality, the the cinematography, the 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 the, the ways that they've shot this. Um, whether you're in a room of 125 on a Sunday to a room of 5,000, I mean, it, it's it's just going to resonate. It's just going to be powerful. But but talk about some of the themes of the 11, Nick. Yeah, I, I, they're on such a wide range of topics. I mean, they can be everything from loneliness and anxiety to power and the sovereignty of God, from hope to redemption. And one of the things that we've tried to do to be able to put the tools into the hands of pastors more easily is that you can go to our site and you can you can search by key themes or you can search by key passages. And anytime that you go to, you visit one of our films, there are suggestions along the side of like, what are five to 10 key themes that this could touch on? Or what are the five to 10 key passages? And it feels like we could... <laughs> We could list key passages probably till the end of time. And we just try to hit like kind of the headlines for a lot of them. But I think one of the things we're interested in is not only helping, but also seeing what creativity people bring to the table. For instance, we just heard, um, it was probably about a week ago, about a pastor who she had written about 75% of her message for the weekend, happened to know about Braving Bird. She was on the site and her the whole message was about the two different kinds of power that we see at, at, at play in our world between the, the power of the kingdom and the power of the world. And she ran into one of our pieces that is all about how we train horses. And she's like, she wasn't even looking for it. She was honestly just kind of clicking around and stumbled on this and said, this is perfect. This goes with my message perfectly. And, and so I think our stories are good enough and are so grounded in the gospel that someone could visit our site, view a story, and use it as a jumping off point. But I think also, if you're in the midst of preparing a message and you just need that thing that drives it home, and you don't have the personal story from your own life to share that brings that thing to life, I think that's when you can visit our site and start looking for themes and looking for the scriptures you already know that you're you're teaching on and probably find a few points of connection. You know, it's really, really true. These stories will spark um, and they will kind of lift your imagination. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just so, so compelling and beautiful. Um, Paul, where, where do we go to find more information? I'm, I'm sure some people right now are listening to this podcast and they're on their phone and they're Googling Braving Bird, but like, wh what's the, what's the website? So bravingbird.com. Uh, you can go there today. You can watch all, uh, all of our pieces in their entirety. Um, if you want to then download a piece to show in your church, so you want to download it and put it into ProPresenter or whatever your presentation software is or whatever the mechanics are behind the scenes, you probably need to download. We've got some different quality levels, um, you know, HD. Uh, we're looking into 4K down the road and so forth, some audio splits and so forth. Um, there are... Yeah, different versions that you can download. You do have to go through what we're calling a membership process. The membership process, again, doesn't cost anything. There's no catches or anything. All it does is forces you to agree to our, our terms and conditions, which are very favorable. All that we ask is, we basically say, you can do anything you want with our pieces. We just ask that you don't make money off them. <laughs> that's, that's the one thing we're asking for. Um, 
So once you agree to those terms and conditions, then you can download any and all of our pieces for use, you know, however you want. And again, we want you to be creative with how you how you use these in your services. You want to take a 12-minute piece, edit it down to four minutes because that works better for you. That's fine. Um, however, that would serve you best. Um, we said go for it. That's awesome. And and then uh, on Instagram, I've seen you guys been, you know, that's how I found out about the Tracy uh, film, which was awesome. Um, where's, wh- what's your what's your Instagram handle? Yeah, uh, just Braving Bird <clears throat> for Instagram. Then we're on Facebook as well. We're also on YouTube. Um, so those are some of the other places you can learn more about what we're doing. That's amazing. Well, friends, I'm I'm just telling you, um, just go to the site and check it out. Again, um, like Nick said, it's going to spark um, some ideas. The themes are going to resonate. Um, and it, there is a wide swath that you might just go, gosh, like I know I have a, an anxiety talk coming up this summer. And I know I've got a, a message on hope I want to do this fall. I mean, just, just think about, man, maybe even bringing that idea up to your worship team and go, hey, how could this maybe this film play in as a setup to my talk or maybe even as a kind of a, a, a conclusion to the teach? Uh, it, it really can work both ways. And um, they're doing amazing, amazing work. And um, give them a listen. But Nick, Paul, thank you just for, for just one, your heart for storytelling, your heart to see the message kind of pierce the hearts in unique and creative ways. And, and really, like, as you said, like more Jesus ways, the way that he was a master storyteller. You guys do this so, so well. Um, but friends, thanks so much for tuning in to the Craft and Character podcast. Uh, we at Preaching Today, we want to help continue to spark sermon ideas and whether the sermon illustrations, whether they care for your soul, or whether it's just introducing to great people like Nick and Paul and Braving Bird. Um, check them out. And if any of you want to learn more about the great work of Food for the Hungry, check out fh.org. Um, but I'm excited for you just to be moved by the stories of Braving Bird. Um, I hope you have a great, great week. Grace and peace.